I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. Taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton says they've struggled with powdery mildew on their squash plants, specifically zucchini. Do you have any suggestions for the coming season? Yes. I would make sure that you're rotating where you're putting them. Powdery mildew is an airborne disease and is more common in plants that are overhead watered and in areas where there's not a lot of air circulation. And so if you have them up against a fence that blocks the wind, you may want to move them and then focus on getting maybe hose watering them or drip irrigating them so that they're only watered from the base. But then you can also get, there are some powdery mildew resistant summer squash varieties. So in both Crookneck squash, the yellow squash, and zucchini, a quick internet search of the varieties and then going and looking for the seed would be my next step. All right. Mark is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Mark. What is your question? Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Doing great. What can we help you with? Well, last summer I bought three fruit trees, a nectarine, an apple tree, and a pear tree. And this kind of, I'm kind of new at this. So I just wanted to give some advice, basically. I know it's the middle of winter, and there's not much I can do right now. But I want to know when the weather gets warmer, because right now I look out at my poor trees, they look like they're dead. Uh, I don't know. I watered them last summer about every 15 minutes uh, for every other three days. I hope I didn't overwater them, but I just want to get some advice for what I should, how I can take care. I put mulch around them, and I put, maybe I put too much uh, miracle Grow in them, but what's the best advice that I can get for when it warms up for my three fruit trees. First thing I would do is subscribe to Utah State University Extension's Pest Lab Updates. And so if you do an internet search for USU Pest Lab Updates, you can subscribe to the fruit updates, and they will tell you down to the day when to uh, spray the trees for certain pests and diseases. And they will give both organic and conventional recommendations on that. 
And so that is a great resource for care and maintenance of those trees. The pear and the apple can be pruned in mid-February and the nectarine in mid-March. And so you're going to do a little bit with that. You can watch pruning videos. USU Extension has a lot of pruning videos on YouTube. And then on the watering, you know, it. I can't tell you for over or under watering because all soils and irrigation systems are different. And so what you're generally going to want to do in the first few years in the life of a tree is water to the base of the root ball a couple of days a week. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the only, I really haven't had any too many pests except we well, had a lot of squirrels. until you get fruit. So. Well, I did have, I did have an apple and the only pest I had was the, the squirrels. They picked my apple and, Ate my apple. <laughs> yeah, and so there's fact sheets on squirrel control. What I would really do is get those pest lab updates, watch the pruning videos, and just um, look at some of these fact sheets on the fruit that you purchased, and it'll tell you maintenance and care on it. And so look up the fact sheets, and that should give you a good head start. All right, Mark, thanks for your call. These things are pretty specific depending on the type of fruit. And when you should, you know, do your pest control and all of that. Yes. And it's more like raising a puppy and maintaining a hot tub than just planting a tree and using it for shade because you've planted it for a reason other than shade for food production. And so you maintain it for food production. All right. Carol would like to know, will river birds do well in clay soil? So I think she means river birch. I'm Ah. wondering if autocorrect got her. (laughs) And so (laughs) they can. I would have your soil tested to make sure. I'll bet you if it's a clay loam, they would do better. And it just depends on how compacted the soil is and where you live. If you are east of I-15, they should do fine. If you're west of I-15, I would do some soil testing. Okay. Anna is in Mill Creek. Good morning, Anna. What is your question? I um, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I have a gopher or a mole burrowing in my yard. Last year, I paid $300 to have a gopher removed, killed and removed. I can't afford that. Wondered if you had any advice on how to get rid of a gopher or a mole. Are you seeing the volcano mounds in your yard? Yes. Okay. And I've lived here for 40 years, and this is the first time. So I can understand what's happening. They've become a little more common. So... And they're just moving in from wildland areas. So what I would recommend doing is in the summer, if it's still there, rake those mounds down. The reason you're doing this is you want to see where it's making fresh tunnels. And if the mounds reappear, that's where you're going to trap. And I would just go to a local farm store, IFA, Steve Regan, um, Cal Ranch, whatever it is, and pick up some traps. And you'll need to put two of them facing opposite directions in the tunnel because you don't know what direction they're coming from. And then you should be able for 20 or $30 maximum, be able to get rid of them on your own. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Yeah, it's not a problem. The other thing you can try is there's smoke bombs that uh, Dave, one of our uh, more uh, adventurous producers, board ops <laughs> likes. But Dave has used these smoke bombs in the tunnels where you bury them in and light them. And he feels like that's been effective for him, too. So there are options. I would talk to your local farm store. All righty. I'll do that. All right, Thank Anna. you. Thanks so much for your call today. While we're on the topic of moles and voles, uh, uh, we have one of our listeners who said that uh, worms, uh, an exterminator told them that worms were causing bumps all over their grass. Do worms cause bumps on their grass? They can if the soil is compacted and or the soil's being the grass is being overwatered. Hmm. What happens is the worms, because there's not oxygen in the soil, stay near the soil surface because that's where the oxygen is. And so as they feed on the soil and deposit it, they actually can make your grass lumpy. So the solution to that is to manage your irrigation carefully so that the lawn dries out moderately between irrigations, aerate with hollow core aeration as deeply as you can in the spring and fall. And hopefully that over a period of a few years will help. Uh, you oftentimes see this in lawns that have a lot of thatch in them. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, uh, Chris is on the line in Ogden. Good morning, Chris. What is your question? Um, it, it's about onions. First of all, I appreciate this show. I'm glad you guys do this. Thank you. Thank you. We've grown onions in raised garden beds in the pa- in past years, and this has occurred. The same thing has occurred over two or three years. They grow, they get as big as they should. There's an outer layer of paper, and then there's a couple layers of the white flesh. And then before the rest of the white flesh, there's a second layer of paper. On the outside of that second layer of paper, there's some black stuff. I don't know if it's mildew or mold. I don't know what it is. I'd like to know what, if you know what it is, why does it happen? How do I prevent it? Is it and are happen- the only are the onions okay to eat? Yeah, they're fine to eat. Are they hap- Is it happening on most of them? Yes. It's a physiological condition and not a disease most likely because a disease would hit a few of them at first and then spread. And if it's happening every year, then it's something with the environment causing it. What kind of onion are you growing? Just yellow onions. Just sweet you know? Spanish or something simil- similar to that? Yeah, I don't know the variety. Okay. Just... Onions you grow in the gro- that you buy in the grocery store. I believe one year we tried to grow Walla Walla and had the same thing. Okay. Uh, the only thing I can really, I've never seen this happen, but with every one of them doing it, the likely culprits would be heat or maybe nutrients. And so all I can really recommend doing is do you have an area of the yard that you could grow the onions in your native soil? Yes. What I would try doing is growing the onions in your native soil, same care, you know, keep the weeds out of them, plant them in mid-March and do everything you need to do and see if the same thing happens in your native soil. If it doesn't, that might point to maybe some nutrient deficiencies with your soil and your raised beds. Okay. And you might try both a yellow onion and a walla walla just to see if it happens to both. Okay. 
Will do. Thank you. All right, Chris, thanks for your call this morning. Uh, next listener wants to know, can they still plant tulip bulbs if the ground isn't too frozen to dig? And will they bloom this spring if they do? If they haven't started to send leaves out, yes, they can try it. You've got a 50-50 chance that they'll flower, but it's still early enough in the season that they'll get their 8 to 10 weeks of cold before they really start to grow, but they need to get them in soon because by early March, those things are popping out of the ground. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back with your calls and questions. Phone lines are open. Number to call 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, life. Good morning, sun. How are you, skies above? Gee, it's great to be alive and in love. And isn't it great to see the sunshine on this Saturday morning? It's impacted our listeners. They're up and at giving us calls. Number for you to call right now. The phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Next listener, Ton, wants to know, they heard you talking about the Canadian red choke cherry. And they want to know, do they have the insect pests as regular as cherries? No. Canada choke cherry is completely an ornamental Mm-hmm. And in the valleys, they very rarely get fruit. If they do, the birds pick it off. And so if you're wanting actual choke cherries, you probably will want to order some seed-grown trees and plant those because they're genetically different. They will cross-pollinate and give you the choke cherries, and then you're going to be in a mad battle with the birds trying to get them off the trees. But in and of itself, I've seen Canada red choke cherry produce fruit, but it's generally when they're planted in a canyon close to a mountain where there's other native choke cherries that they can get the pollen from. But in the valleys themselves, 85 to 90 percent of the time, they're considered fruitless. Okay, next listener got a new puppy for Christmas, and they say, besides the usual cleanup of the drops, droppings, what else can they do so it limits the impact on the lawn? They need to water in the urine so that it doesn't kill the grass. And so when it gets warmer, and they can even, if they know where it went to the bathroom, Mm -hmm. pour a couple of gallons of water down so that it dilutes it out a little bit. And then in the summer, they can use a product called Revive that it's just basically, it it claims all sorts of magical stuff, but I think it has a surfactant in it that helps a little bit with that. But... I think that just making sure that the puppy doesn't go into the bathroom in the same spot every time, they might even build an area in their yard, you know, a 5 by 10 or a 10 by 10 area with gravel for the puppy to train it to use the bathroom there so it doesn't even hurt the lawn. Mm -hmm. Now, since it's a puppy, you could actually train it to... Go to the bathroom. In yeah, a when you take spot. it outside, just pack it out to that gravel area so that it gets ingrained into it that this is where I go to the bathroom. Never feed it in proximity to that area because they do not eat near where they go to the bathroom. Right. 
Uh, next listener says they had a beautiful peony tree when they lived in the Boise area. Uh, they recently moved to Murray. Will they grow here? And any suggestions where I could find one or would I need to order it online? You can find them locally and they will grow here. Boise is... About the same climate, right? About the same. They're four or five degrees warmer in the winter because they're lower elevation and get Pacific air moving in more than we do. But the peony trees are generally hardy here, and you will find them occasionally at larger garden centers. And so you can check like Western Gardens, Mill Creek, and then, you know, up north, J&J Valley. There's several of them around. Sometimes you'll even see them in like Home Depot or Lowe's. Mm -hmm. You know, I would look around, but you can also order them online. All right. Diane is on the line in Taylorsville. Good morning, Diane. What is your question? Good morning. I was wondering if there is such a thing as a water-wise shade plant. Yes, there's many of them, actually. What are you looking for specifically? Well, I just have an area at the foundation of my house that gets maybe an hour of sunshine a day. So I just need something to fill in and look pretty. Is it really shaded? Like yes. so much. So do you have weeds growing in the area or is it just bare soil? It's bare soil. I have a tree that shades it most of the day and the house shades it the rest of the day. Okay. And so if there's not a lot growing there already, even weeds, it may right. be too much shade for stuff that you would buy from a garden center to handle. Okay. And so you may consider just putting in some, if it's that shady, you may put it, consider putting in landscape rocks or something. You know, what I would do is maybe purchase a few plants, you know, 20 or $30 and just plant them in there kind of interspersed. You could maybe look at some columbine, maybe some perennial geranium would be two that are water wise, maybe even uh, looking at if you wanted some bushes, some snowberry, those are fairly shade tolerant, and see how they do for a year or two. And if they seem to thrive, then you could put more in there. But if there's not a lot growing and not even the weeds are growing in that area, it could be too shady. Okay. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for your call this morning. Uh, coming up next hour, Ton, we are going to be talking about uh, houseplants uh, that are easy to grow, right? We are. I, this is a list that Michelle, our crack producer, found because someone was negligent in finding show topics. And that was me. You don't me. have to out us. I out, I'm <laughs> outing me. It's not just you. <laughs> um, and there were, the reason we have talked about many easy-to-grow houseplants, mm -hmm. but this particular list had a few that we haven't talked about oh, that yet that I thought were good. Okay. And the number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. It's one of those days. It's really pretty. People are ready to get outside and do some cleanup, I think, because that's about all you can do right now. The snow's off in most areas, so you can clean up leaves. That's always good to do that. Shade trees, if you know what you're doing, you can cut out diseased branches or branches that are causing harm. You know, if you're running into it when you walk under the sidewalk. Eh, it's or, probably time. It's time, you know, if it's obstructing views. So there are actually things that can be done in your yard right now. I did notice that a neighbor lost a couple of branches off of their tree um, due to the snow, and I think I'm going to go out and help them out with those. And yes. Cut them up and put them in the garbage. Yeah, if they've fallen or just, there's always a good time to get rid of them. Yeah, whenever you see dead things, but the, it's hard in the winter to know when it's dead. 
I mean, rose bush branches, you can usually tell they're kind of split. You can see that they're dead. But other things, it might be a little tricky. It is. Scratch the bark a little bit. If it's green underneath, it's alive. All right. We're going to be back with more on the KSL Greenhouse Show. Taking a break for the top of the hour news. When we come back, you can give us a call at 801-575-8255. And you can also text us your questions at 57500. And check all of the great stuff that we've put this morning on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.